0: Did you know Recipe Club is the single best food podcast right now? Yeah. I don't have any real evidence other than I'm telling you. It's the number one best food podcast. Dave Chang, Chris Ying, they're breaking it down every week. They did chickpeas on Tuesday. They did flatbread before that, okra, martinis. It's all there. They they battle out some recipes, try to figure out what the best one is. Check it out. Recipe Club, only on The Ringer Podcast Network. Is there? Learn more at StateFarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, You need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what what's happening. At your house, at your front door, inside, you deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get twenty percent off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe slash bs. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. Have new rewatchables coming Monday night. We did Mrs. Dowfire, a movie that made four hundred forty one million dollars in nineteen ninety three. It was an absolute phenomenon. Very interesting rewatch. Uh, stay tuned for that on Monday night. Long Robin Williams discussion in this one. I don't know if we ever really fully broke down Robin Williams before in the rewatchable. So we did it on this one. Um, don't forget about New York, New York with John He's He's been rumored to be maybe having Jacko on. I'm happy sharing Jacko, not just with America, but with JJ, especially as the Yankees are imploding. Both of them have been imploding on Twitter. Really uh, mirror images of the Yankees, uh, this baseball season, it's two huge thumbs up for me, except for the Mookie Betts part. Hey, Hey, everyone in my life, when Mookie does something awesome in a game, you don't have to text me. I know I'm aware. I know it's happened. I know it was unforgivable that the Red Sox traded him. It was the biggest reason why I completely ignored the 2020 season it's indefensible. It remains indefensible. You don't have to text me. If you really cared about me as a friend, as a human being, don't text me when, when Mookie has a diving catch to close out a Padres game. Like just don't leave me alone. I don't want to know. Leave me alone. Let me mourn for the end of the Mookie era on my own pace. All right. Coming up, Ryan, Russell, and I are going to get together. We get together every other week. But that's about to change because we when we get to the playoffs which now we're suddenly a month away we'll be going every Sunday night but uh Priscilla's coming up next first our friends from Pearl Jam <laughs> All right, taping this close to uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time. I'm on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. We're trying to make sense of this, I guess, last 22% of the NBA season where there's really no lessons to be learned. Other than saying, cool, Phoenix, good job by them. They might get the one seed. You know, you watch these Brooklyn games. They're on national TV today. Durant gets hurt for it seems like the 17th time. And uh, we just haven't seen their team together. We haven't seen the Lakers together in a million years. Um, Giannis has been out and beads back for Philly. Um, I just don't have a feel for anything. And we're getting dangerously close here to the start of the playoffs. And I, I don't have any hardcore opinions. Do you
1: No, And I know that's that's what everybody loves to hear at the start of a podcast. Like, I don't real really feel all that strong about anything. Um, but that's that's kind of where I'm at. I you know, why would I talk myself out of any of these teams? But then why would I give anyone the benefit of the doubt other than if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, then okay, all right, that one makes sense. But with Brooklyn, you know, the Durant thing's concerning. The Kyrie part of this was why they were always kind of a tough bet. And, you know, they lose against Miami today and and bam, talk about what an incredible shot from him, like sizing it up like a guard and hitting a game winner. But I mean, you're gonna hold that against Brooklyn with no Harden now, so you can't, but I don't know. I just maybe maybe this is what it is now where you just go, all right, whatever. Like the the players seem to be more convinced that none of it matters than any of us do. So if they think they're just going to roll the ball out there and be able to win the East, I guess so. But it's just it's hard to feel like I know what I'm talking about when I don't think I'm going to see results here these next few weeks that mean anything.
0: I was looking at the odds on FanDuel and they both seem ridiculous, but then also like, how do we know it's going to be ridiculous? Like, Brooklyn is the prohibitive favorite now to win the uh, win the title. They're plus two twenty, and the Lakers are plus three fifty. I have no idea what we're what we're getting for Brooklyn in the playoffs, but I also can't argue that they shouldn't be the favorite. Davis and LeBron. Everybody's assuming they're going to come back. I guess they're second, and then you look like Phoenix is twenty four to one to win the title. That's the only team that has. Seemed like it stayed together the whole year and stayed intact with all their stars and stuff like that. But let's start with the Brooklyn thing really quick. I had some other stuff I wanted to cover because I do have some, some good topics. But this Brooklyn thing where Durant just every time he plays, there's some either it's a minor injury or it's maybe not as minor as they're letting on or whatever. He got kicked in the leg today. And as we've covered before, he hasn't really played a meaningful playoff game in two years, other than when he came back for the, uh, for the brief finals thing in 2019. At what point do we just go, all right, this, this seems really uncertain. (laughs) Like, like, uh, yeah, on paper, Durant, Kyrie, uh, Harden, uh, it's, it's great, but we just haven't seen them play basketball together. And I think to just kind of do this on the fly When they don't have the backbone of the experience of all playing with each other, I think it's a lot to ask. And I only bring this up because, again, they're the prohibitive favorites right now.
1: So you're bringing up the the favorite number there because I think we're agreement that that seems to be putting a lot of faith into them, right? Yes. For Vegas to have that number where you're like, man, you you have them that far ahead of the Lakers. So I'm with you there. Or maybe, you know, maybe we're making it too complicated that when those three guys are playing together in the sample that we've seen, even times they didn't have Durant and Harden was still crushing it, where he was, you know, legitimately an MVP candidate again, which seemed impossible for him after playoff failures, because I think that's something voters would would hold against a player. Um, But, you know, I guess the next part of it is like, so am I supposed to pick Philly? You know, Milwaukee could go undefeated the rest of the regular season, and it seems like nobody wants to buy into them at all. Like, I feel like Milwaukee is never brought up as even an option to win the East, and that feels dismissive. Yes, they're plus 350 to win the East.
0: Philly is plus 440 to win the East. Brooklyn is minus 110, so they're basically even money. I look at those Philly odds, like, to me, you could tell me all three of those teams have an equal chance to win the East, I would believe it. But Vegas's job is to, you know, try to get the best, try to steer you toward the odds that are best for the casinos. And obviously most people are looking at this Brooklyn thing and you're even hearing really smart basketball people. Like Jackie was on my podcast the other day saying like, Hey, those three guys are out there. That's one of the best offensive teams of all time. Hard to refute. I just don't know if we're getting that out there. But to me, those three teams, I feel like have as good of a chance. And I'm with you on Milwaukee. I, they've, you know, Giannis is not involved in the MVP discussion. He had a he missed a couple games, so that made it a lot easier. But just in general, I think people have just pushed them to the side. And that's it. And they're over there. And by the way, Denver's over there now, too, because of the Jamal Murray thing. But I think that's a little more
1: fair. Well, the Murray thing's totally fair. And, you know, when you start sizing up the Lakers path, if those guys are healthy, which, again, we're all just dealing with the assumption that they're going to be healthy. Davis is clear for encore activity and all that kind of stuff. And then it's LeBron, so you just like, all right, fine. <laughs> um as tough as tough as the west could have been on paper for the lakers there's also a version where you look at it and you go okay well you really trust the clippers against them no you know denver now without murray like they're they're just an afterthought they're going to be i mean even with michael porter jr putting up these huge scoring numbers lately but if we take it back to the east like milwaukee feels a little bit like toronto prior to Kawhi getting there and i don't know I don't know why that is, at least for me, because I felt like when Toronto wasn't good and Lowry had those tough stretches and DeRozan and, you know, even when they had good records and you just were like, I can't buy into this team. I can never tell if like we're fair or totally unfair with Milwaukee. Because if you if you count this as like three playoff failures for Giannis, is it really that three years ago? I mean, he's still really young back then. Two years ago, it's the Eastern Conference Finals. They they blow a 2 0 lead. And then last year's a disaster. You can blame the bubble. But I don't know that they've had enough failures or, you know, come up so short of their expectations other than last year. Like, is that different? You know what I mean? Or is it the exact same thing? And yet I was being open minded about Milwaukee and dismissive about Toronto.
0: Or are, is everybody just a little more imperfect than ever heading into these playoffs? So if my if Milwaukee is a little bit imperfect, maybe it matters a little bit less than it usually does. We're we're a month away from the playing games right now. And I'm glad I was going to do this a little bit later, but let's do it now because it's fun. Um, the, the 7, 8, 9, 10, which I got to admit, I read incorrectly. I didn't realize what the actual rule was where it's like seven versus eight is the first playing game. And then 9-10 is an elimination game. Whoever loses seven versus eight then plays 9-10. I don't know why they're not doing it seven versus 10. But anyway, uh, Miami, who just won this game on a buzzer beater from band today, right now they're still in the seventh spot, but they would play Charlotte. And then nine and 10 is basically Indiana, Chicago, Washington, two of those three. Um, I mentioned this because if Philly gets the one seed and then they're basically playing, you know, Charlotte, Indiana, Chicago, Washington, whoever. And then in the second round, they'd play the four seed, which would be either Boston or Atlanta. I think Philly would have a lot of success with those two. And the two, three seed was Brooklyn, Milwaukee, potentially. This goes back to my, how is Philly plus 440? Because to me, that would be like, I don't, I don't think Boston is beating them this year if Embiid is healthy. I just think they have no answer for him and... You know, we're going to say if Embiid is healthy this whole playoffs, but if he's healthy, I think they're going to make the Eastern Finals. And you have this Milwaukee-Brooklyn bloodbath, which brings it to your point. Milwaukee could absolutely be Brooklyn in a series if a couple things go their way, right? If Durant's nursing some nagging injury, if Kyrie disappears for game three, there's scenarios where Milwaukee could beat them and they do, you know, they have Holiday to throw a Kyrie. They have Giannis, who, you know, is at least the best two-way player in that series. And, you know, they're a good three-point
1: shooting team. So there's a case, right? There's absolutely a case. I I don't... Yeah, I I think we're on the same page with this one, too. But I I guess they just never... We were so quick, right? With any timeline of any star... Where and it's going to happen to Zion if the Pelicans don't win games in a couple years? Where you go like, hey, I thought this guy was awesome, you know? And the same thing, Giannis is going through it right now. We're like, wait, how can he won MVPs? He's putting up all these numbers, but you know, you're not them losing to the Heat and it wasn't even close. uh, Still stings and there's there's an aftertaste there of their failure. Where I think it's been incredibly just like, oh yeah, whatever. Like they'll they'll have stretches where I go, hey, I, I like them again. Like I like watching them. I go, hey, they're good. Why why are they never ever brought up? And I, I think it is just because of last year where I would argue two years ago. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world that you blew a lead to to the Raptors. You know, you yeah, were in the that Western Conference Raptors finals, thing. you know, so um, the playing game. Are you pro or con anti? I've been anti it since the beginning. I think you're going to have a year where you have a seven seed who's won 50 games or something. And then, you know, something stupid could happen. And then they're outside of the playoffs. So I know that Cuban voted for it. And then he said he didn't like it. And he was talking about just from a minute standpoint of compressing the schedule and everything else. And that they got it wrong. So even though I agree with him that I think it's it's pointless, um, you know, look, if it if it changes tanking, okay, maybe I'm more open to it. But I just I don't think you should have a 10 seed that likely won't be a 500 team know, with it, with it, it's not an equal chance to a seven seed getting in there, but my whole point would be like, why are we playing 82 games? If then we have this other thing, but people like it, they wanted extra inventory to, to get save revenue. So I understand why they did it. I'm not freaked out about it, but I I felt like I was one of the only people that doesn't like it.
0: Yeah. I think if it's 72 games, it makes more sense. And if it was 72 games with a less compressed schedule and the playing games now, now that makes a lot more sense. Here's Here's what I think they could have fixed. I've talked to a bunch of people about this. Some people really hate it. Other people are like, hey, the playing games are going to be fun. Like, sorry, I'm going to really enjoy watching um, Golden State play, you know, Dallas for for the eight seed. Like, sorry, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, but I think if you think like, let's go tanking argument first. So if we didn't have these playing games, I I did all the math. I think 12 teams would be tanking. Well, it would be like 11 plus Chicago. At some point, Chicago would pack it in because they'd be five games behind the eight seed. Um, So it's either 11 or 12. Um, With the playing games, we only have eight teams that are tanking right now. And I'm including two teams that haven't officially announced they're tanking yet, San Antonio and Toronto. Toronto's won their last two. They're not... Officially tanking, but I feel like they've taken the tanking gods to the bar a couple times. They've done some drinks. (laughs) They've talked about future plans. (laughs) San Antonio, what do they care if they make the playoffs? It's not like anything's going to happen. So I I would say probably maybe eight teams are tanking. So to me, the fact that it's eliminated, I don't know, 40% of the tanking, that's a positive, right?
1: No? Yeah, it is a positive. And that's that's the part of it that I'm... That I'm good with, and I also think that tanking, you know, I I don't know if it's strictly because of the playing game being there, but I, I think a team like Chicago or some of these other teams, certainly Sacramento, the way Golden State talked about their season and trying to gear up for it, that even without the playing game, it feels like there's still a handful of those teams that were just going to try to do whatever they could to make the playoffs to feel better about the season. Washington, yeah, I Washington. think
0: Chicago's in there. Yep. Uh, I think New Orleans is in there and I, I watched them blow, you know, probably the 12th, 13th, 14th dumb game they've lost the season. This one was really egregious and then included Stan Van Gundy kind of throwing the players under the bus after the game, talking about how a high school team would have remembered to guard the three-point line at the end. But, you know, New Orleans is a good example for why well, I kind of like the playing game. They're 25 and 32. They're the 11th seed. They'll probably get to 10. They're really talented. You know, you watch them and you, I don't know how many times I've watched them this year where they're up seven with five minutes left. They're up nine with four minutes left. And then they'll end up blowing it. They do dumb things. It seems like they have terrible chemistry uh, up and down the line. It's definitely one of the, uh, the, the body language doctor does
1: not enjoy the, uh,
0: the Pelicans. Well, I, to be fair playing game, I'd be afraid of them.
1: Right? No, I would be um, just because of the Zion factor alone, but I, the guard stuff with them has been such a disaster now for weeks. You know, like if you're not really locked in, you'll turn on a Pelicans game going, who the hell's that guy? And that's what's <laughs> going on. I mean, they've, they've had a few like, wait, what it was that
0: guy? Naja the other night, he played like 30 yeah, Marshall. Minutes. He's
1: actually been, I gotta tell you, he's, he's had moments where I've, I've been impressed um, as, as a guy that, you know, is completely off the radar. And, you know, yeah. unless you're really a huge Xavier fan. Um, but, I don't I don't I think the chemistry and the lack of consistency is is related to Zion being the go to guy where Ingram's still so talented and Ingram has moments where it's like, oh, that's why Ingram's so good. And then a game like today where you go, eh, you know, he doesn't really bring it. Adam seems hit or miss all the different times. But I'm with you. I I mean, that point you made about Ingram kind of like, what did you do? He hit the jumper and Stan went to high five him. It was a, he had a jumper
0: timeout was walking back to the bench and Stan came out and he kind of had his hand up for the high five and Ingram just was tunnel vision straight ahead. And Stan had to do the, I didn't get the high five. So I'm doing the reach over and hitting your hand thing. And it was like, Oh man, this isn't good. And then of course they <laughs> blew the game at the end. The Stan thing is, is, you know, it's been rough. He's, he's out of 2009 in a bunch of different ways and, and, it just doesn't seem like there are games where they're like Lonzo. I don't know what he was doing today. Lonzo, somebody that they're talking about it. Could he get 100 million a year in free agency? He was absolutely horrific in that game. And then you have Bledsoe taking more shots than Ingram. And it's just game. Adams, is there any other coach that would play Adams 35 minutes in a game that you can think of? Like, is Brett there one Brown. coach who would do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, but yet if they're in the playing game, Zion's really good. He's scoring 63% of the time, you know, and then the Golden State piece is the other. I wrote down my favorite favorite, uh, subplots from the playing games because, again, we're a month away. The number one would be Curry versus everybody, and we'll talk about Curry in a second. But uh, the fact that we're basically locking Curry into at least one high-stakes game to me, is reason to support the playing games because there's a scenario where they they would just be on the outside looking in because of all the dumb injuries they've had. So that's one for me. Two is the Beal Westbrook combo, which I've been taunting House about. House <laughs> is trying to pretend he's not excited for the Wizards in the playing game, but um, I don't know. I I don't. I'm not positive I would want to see them in a playing game just because those two guys would play really hard and they've been, you know, but they have both been in some some pretty high stakes games. So there's two. Three. The third thing I like was the Zion thing, which we mentioned. They're two and a half. How many are they back now? Two. Oh man, they're they're four back in the loss column from the ten seed, and two back in the win column from the Spurs. And then the uh, other one, I like Miami and Dallas complaining. I enjoyed that. I like when teams complain about things that everybody voted for.
1: Yeah. Everyone um, voted
0: for this. There was no, there was no discourse revenue. when these things revenue. came in. Everyone yeah, everyone was like, all right, this is going to be a money grab. Let's go. And then right. now we're 70% of the season and people are like, oh, this isn't fair. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, we knew this. We had all these discussions. You voted for this.
1: Yeah. I think it's just hard, you know, wherever any company, right? I mean, forget the NBA, any company's like, hey, do we want to increase, increase revenue? And then you're like, yeah, all right, fine, no problem. So you know, my point when they're when these games are good, when there's a Steph moment here, you know, and we're we're wondering like, is this guy going to get into the playoffs because of what what Steph's been doing now? He's going to end up leading the league in scoring with the tear that he's on. He's he's right there with Beal, but Beal has slowed a bit. Um, Steph's like like thirty five a game since the All Star break. His shooting percentages for somebody who has to do everything now is fifty two and forty six on twelve and a half three. Uh, three attempts per game, 12 and a half. And he's, he's in the forties. And so Steph is having these moments, this run again here for a few weeks. And you're going, this is ridiculous. And there'll be nights where there's another guy out there that you're like, how was that guy even out on the court in a closing group here with golden state? So, the the premise is not that I like I, I don't like, like hey, do you fundamentally agree or disagree with the idea of playing games? Okay, I disagree for my reason that I don't think you should have to play 82, win that many games, be a seven seed and have to prove yourself all over again because you got hurt with COVID. All right, no problem. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to be fun. So like, I'm not going to tweet out, hey, I was wrong. Game was fun. Like I get there's always a really a good chance that this is going to be fun because of the different storylines. I just think it's it's excessive. You're not going to be the That's guy all. tweeting about Thanksgiving and Christmas, kind of
0: throwing water on that. You're not that guy.
1: Um no, I don't, you know, be like, "Hey, Thanksgiving overrated." Oh wait, we had. That was your boy, right? Wasn't that <laughs> wasn't that Michael Schur? who just started trashing Thanksgiving and guys were like, "I like that." <laughs> starting their day and I, I think it was because he wanted everybody to stay home, but it was like one of those tweets where you wake up and you're like, geez, off the top rope, man. Like He's like, gravy sucks, turkey's dry, don't go anywhere, Thanksgiving sucks. And I was like, man, I haven't, even, I haven't even gotten the shower yet, man. Uh, Dallas, Miami would be the
0: 7-8. Golden State, San Antonio would be the 9-10. So the dream scenario would be New Orleans passing San Antonio, and we would get Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, New Orleans as the two initial play-in games then if Golden State wins and Dallas wins you'd get gold I guess you would get Golden State for the I think that's how it works for to decide oh no seven plays eight seven play Dallas would clinch seven if they win so then right. Golden State would I guess play Memphis but anyway having Curry involved would uh, would not be a bad thing conceivably these could be our playoff matchups for round one actually let's take a break because this is too good is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what? the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at mclobaltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, coming back. Conceivably, these could be our playoff matchups for round one. Ready? East. Philly, Washington. I would enjoy Philly, Washington. I really would. I, I, I would. Philly's winning that series, but I would enjoy it. I think Westbrook would have a couple moments with Embiid. Beal would have a game where he would score like 49. Um, There would be some classic Scotty Brooks, Doc Rivers moments. I would enjoy the series. Your thoughts. I want you to expand on classic Doc Rivers, Scotty
1: Brooks moments. What exactly?
0: (laughs) Some clogged toilet offense last four minutes, some clogged toilet playoff offense uh, out of the, you know, little Brett Brown DNA in there. Despite Maybe maybe Doc's gotten out of that. I don't know.
1: You know what though? You're right. This goes back to your old Mellow thing that was always a great point. Is that you said, you know, if Mellow's in a playoff series with LeBron or these other guys, like he he doesn't look at Kobe and LeBron like, oh, my right. God, I can't believe this, I'm out here. These are my, guys. I'm with
0: my equals finally. Right. I'm in right. my, with my equal in a playoff <laughs> series. The, the right. three
1: bulls at it again, you know, and you're like, actually, dude, you know, you're maybe a, a notch below these guys. But he never thought that, which I think is a really important thing to have. Westbrook isn't thinking, you know, man, I'm slipping. You know, he's, he no, thinks Westbrook's he can like, win that series. Great. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, so. <laughs> he's going to be a
0: couple of MVPs. <laughs> uh, <sighs> then, you know, there's been the 1986 Philly Washington series. We get to see the Dudley Bradley shot. We get the replays of that. I would enjoy it. Uh, your two seven seed, if it ended today, would be Brooklyn, Miami. I'm sorry. That's a really good series. You know, and if if Brooklyn's not hundred percent healthy, um, Miami's had kind of the year from hell. There's a world in which they just stink in the playoffs and we're like, oh, we should have seen it. All the signs were there all year. But on the other hand, um, if they could heat culture it up, get super physical, not put Kyrie on the ground a couple of times, get in Harden's mug. Like, that's a series I would watch.
1: Hey, can You're I, th- can I yeah. ask you something real quick about Dragic? Yeah. Do you, my observation of him is he has perma, I can't believe my ex-girlfriend is out to dinner with a new guy face. Have you noticed with, that about Dragic, what? this is just a what look on he has about just the look on his face. It always looks like the look of the face of a guy who's out at a restaurant and he sees his ex-girlfriend walk in with somebody new and he's kind of like, he's got who's this to do on the new one?" Kendrick time. Nunn? No, I'm just saying Dragic in general, not like he's dating anybody, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that replaces. I think the best option is. Shamit face is all timer, but that's now becoming part of evaluations. Like teams have told me, like we know we Shamit face possibilities at the end of our <laughs> scouting reports. But then it was the Raymond Felton, I slept with your mom's face. So mm. I, don't, I don't know which one's better because it's tough to top Raymond Felton's face where every time you look at him, he, he thinks like there's something he did the to you. superiority. You don't know. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm going to look works.
0: for the Dragage face. All right. 3 6 would be Bucks Knicks. Now, the Bucs will win that series, but uh this Knicks season has been inspiring and we'll get to Randall's all NBA case much later in this podcast. But um
1: Is Tibbs your coach of the year?
0: It's hard not to go for Monty Williams if they're gonna be a one seed.
1: He'll I, get it. Monty Williams will get it, but I, I think I always look, geared I'm sorry. toward I geared so, toward the success piece
0: of it, but the Tibbs thing, you know, to me that's more of a front office case, but um the front office for Phoenix, like you could argue, the uh, the Jay Crowder signing and the Chris Paul trade; those two alone made them contenders. So, I don't know. I, I need to. I want to see where the records are at the end of the year. Last one would be Boston Atlanta, which would be the worst round one loss of my life. I, I, we've been so hard <laughs> on Atlanta this year. The irony of Atlanta ending the Celtics season, but that would be. The way the Celtics are playing offensively and the way Atlanta's been playing for a few weeks here and the Bogdanovich piece, and I don't know what the fuck happened with Quinn Capella, but that would actually be a really entertaining 4-5 series. You have those four. I think all four of those are good. Other side could be Utah Golden State, Phoenix Dallas, Clippers Portland, and Denver Lakers. Could be your four in the West. My point is we might have eight good round one playoff series. I would like to look at the forest through the trees here. And even though this regular season has sucked, I think the players have not liked it. It's been pretty grim.
1: The playoffs could be good. Uh, I'm with you. When you go through all those potential storylines, I mean, granted, you know, there'll be something that we won't get. We'll, we'll, short, we'll Charlotte find a way to hang on, you know, post Hayward now. They can't win any of these games. So um, that's not really working out for them. So maybe they, they get lapped and they're out of here. I want to go back to Boston Atlanta, though, because everyone that... When Boston went into the Lakers game... um you know, and you're looking at the Lakers lineup and to be complimentary of, of Vogel and the Lakers too, like I can't believe the record that they've had. Like they're they're still in more games uh, without LeBron and Anthony Davis than you would think, um, which is really impressive. Like they still defend, you know, sometimes there really is something to be said about a team and the culture and being like, all right, our main guys are out, but we want to figure out a way to not have too much slippage and the best organizations can go ahead and do that. But then you look at Boston, they're winning all these games and I can't get back, like, I'm still like, man, you needed 50 in overtime to beat the T-Wolves, though. So I can't tell if it's the schedule shaking out the right way and they're just winning the games they're supposed to. In April, they're top five in offense. I think they're top six in defense. But I'm with you. Like I'd be afraid of Atlanta because of... Bogdanovich has gone from like 11 a game to 22 a game and Capella who I always felt was like Harden dependent has showed that he's he's way beyond that you know I mean Harden made his life easy but he's doing some great things he's doing great things defensively too and so well I,
0: they don't even have Hunter back which is the I know thing that's they're playing like three guard they're doing Bogdanovich with Young and Herter sometimes and um, Bogdanovich has been fantastic and I've said that I said this last week, I'll say it again. The Kings should just be ashamed of themselves to give up a a legit asset for nothing in the NBA is just inexcusable. You can't do it. Like if you're a fan of that team and you're like, Hey, what do we get for Bogdanovich? Nothing. You just (laughs) didn't decide to match. It's not like it was six years, 190 million. It was four for like 85, like match it, trade them in four months. So I, I think this is the best I've ever seen him play in a wide open offense where he's had the ball. He had the ball when Trey was out for a couple of games where yeah. you're kind of watching it going, I don't know if there's any drop off at all with this. And now that they're out there together, there's, they've kind of figured out um, how to make everybody happy with it. When Hunter comes back, that team's pretty good. <laughs> I, and I, I don't know whether this was Lloyd Pierce or not, but it's a pretty Clear point of they switch coaches and good things happen. And we we were talking about at the time like oh schedule's super easy for them, but you can't can't kind of uh, argue with the results. They're really explosive offensively and they can rebound defensively. Eh.
1: No, but they'll they'll have weird stretches though sometimes with them defensively. And then you know there's other games where I watch Danilo and I go he's toast. And then I'll look and be like oh he had a decent shooting night and had 23. You know, and I'll think I'll think it wasn't that impressive. Um, and then Collins has missed some of these games here, too. But I'm with you on the Bogdanovich thing. And it's funny, too, for l- people listening. Like, as soon as Bogdanovich had put together the stretch, Bill texts me. He's like, what do you think you could get for Trey Young? Just hypothetically.
0: <laughs> I did not do
1: that. <laughs> 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 Next week. Um,
0: back to Boston, by the way. I had a friend at the Warriors texted me yesterday. He's like, oh, man, I can't believe we're catching you guys right now. You're so hot. And I'm like, this is kind of smoke and mirrors. Like, this is... I agree with the same Celtics team the whole season. It's just Tatum has played better the last couple weeks. That's really it. Uh, And Kemba, who I still don't feel like is close to Charlotte Kemba, but he's been better. He's not a liability. He made a big shot. He made the game winning shot yesterday, which was huge, but um, their bench is still awful. I think semi Grant Williams, Romeo. I think they played 54 minutes yesterday combined and had six points. So when Fournier comes back and Jalen Brown comes back, all of those minutes are gone to actual good players. And I'm ready to have the discussion. We, we need to see this team with Fournier, with Jalen Brown. Let's see their top seven together for two weeks before we start talking about Celtics back. But the one thing that's undeniable is Tatum is playing harder on both ends. He had... You know, I think it was the combo of the long bubble last year. He got COVID. There's been stories out. He's had trouble with an, you know, his lungs. He's had to use an inhaler, stuff like that. But he would coast during games. He wouldn't run back on defense. Sometimes he wasn't playing as hard on both ends. And now he is. So um, he went toe to toe with Curry last night, and it was awesome. When those guys had the, the, these guys. I know you watch a ton of League Pass. These guys that try to have these moments after the game. Where it's like you both of your teams sucks. This isn't this isn't like uh the end of the Avengers. Um you guys aren't that good. This the Curry Tatum thing felt real, where it was like Tatum's kind of wanted Curry's approval and Curry gave it to him. And those guys are both really good. Um anyway, I I I'm with you. I, I am a wait and see with the salts.
1: Yeah, look if Kemba's gonna be good like he was against the Warriors and not you know, he's the thing with Kemba is he's still taking all these shots. So the nights where it's terrible and there'll be times you're like, he's getting free. He's coming off that high screen and he's backing up, you know how he kind of gets back into his shot attempt. And then, you know, there'll be nights where you just go brick, brick, but you're right. Like, you know, Evan Fournier not being around hurt them because then all of a sudden it's, it's all these minutes from guys that there's usually one guy out there that you go, this guy probably shouldn't be playing this many minutes because he just looks like he's lost or he's not doing you know, like semi. will have moments in the grand. He's not playing as much now, but um, whenever he has some big minute nights, and you go, does he even shoot? Do you even think about doing anything offensively? And those guys are just hard to survive with when the other team yeah. knows like this is somebody who's not even looking at the basket.
0: Well, and that's why they need Fournier because in an Atlanta score in Atlanta series, there's going to be a lot of points. But the Kemba thing, the one thing I've noticed with him, he's shooting a little bit better, but he just seems to be playing harder. And I'm not saying he wasn't playing hard before, but he's he's more hard nosed. I've noticed, especially on defense, like he's rebounding more. He's there's more slash and kick from him. He's just more aggressive. And I think that guy from the first half of the season was this passive guy who was just shooting jump shots, who was afraid to get his shot blocked and he was a zero on defense and that's better now. So Celtics wait and see, but Boston, Atlanta, um, I, the irony of Atlanta knocking the Celtics out, I I'm suffocating on it. Then the other, the other side where uh, we could have Utah Golden State. And there's real signs of, in my opinion, um, vulnerability with Utah. And the signs were there all year that, that the reason they had that record was because their best guys just managed to play together the most in the first half of the year. And that was the flaw in the ointment of is Utah really a contender. Could they be 2014 Spurs? Or is it a situation where their guys have just played a lot of games together? they seem like i think phoenix would have a ton of confidence against them uh the lakers obviously would clippers would but uh golden state in round 1 that no. would be no way no way no that would be a fun steph series that he would not win but he would be heard from the entire time
1: yeah unless they decided that you know they were going to make sure they just kept two of them the entire time like meet him with two with the Celtics when he thing, cross yeah crosses half him court. At half court basically, right, but you know Steph that was what turned that first championship for him is that's what Cleveland did against him, and then he just gets rid of the ball and then runs to another side of the court and then goes back and gets it, so you have to keep defending him the whole time, um which which I you know goes without saying, but I just there are nights of the Warriors where I'm watching because of the Steph show because it's one of those treats, it's one of those stretches in his career where you're like, this is so much fun, but it also is it's also kind of like that mindset of, of what we've seen some of these other guys that put up these numbers, where I think there were probably 10 guys in the league that go, hey, if I wanted to do what some of these other high usage guys were doing, I'd get you 40. I'm not saying we're going to win the game, but like Harden's not the only one that could do this. Hmm. And I think some people kind of thought maybe Harden was the only one that could do it. And it's not the case, but it's still everything around it is, there's There's some tough groups out there with them, with Steph now, for the five or six guys. It's bad he, when
0: Juan, Juan Toscano-Anderson hits his head and has to leave, and you're like, oh, no. They're, what are they going to do without G, JTA? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like really, they need to be valuable minutes. for them.
1: And as much as I think, you know, we all appreciate Draymond, he'll have nights offensively where there's just nothing. Like, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or what. It's weird. His shot
0: really looks awful. He takes shots. If he's not completely set and they might go left or right, it's not just like that he'll miss be shorter, miss the one. Curry, let's talk about him because so he's he tweaks his ankle with like five minutes left last night, and I hate when that happens, and it happens a lot, especially in basketball, where somebody is just apexing the shit out of a stretch, and then it's like a dumb injury tweak ankle tweak, somebody steps on your foot, whatever, but. It, in my opinion, it's the best I've ever seen him play. And I've watched his whole career, obviously. Statistically, it's, it's pretty equal to 2015-16. I think the thing, the thing that he added that I just don't remember him having to this degree is this herky-jerky thing he's been doing now, where he has the ball in his hands a lot more than he used to. I, I think in, in 14, 15, and 16, they were running him off a lot more stuff. This time now with the ball, he's doing this kind of stop and start crossover behind the back. It's just, it's always off balance. It's almost like watching a great running back who's doing like stutter steps and it's herky, jerky, herky, jerky. It's like Earl Monroe. It's like those old Earl Monroe videos from 50 years ago. And it just seems like he was getting to every single spot he wanted at all times. And then he has this hair trigger release. It's the best I've ever seen him play. The stats kind of back it up. His last nine, 39 points a game, six and five. He made 68 threes in the last nine games, 55%, 49% from three, 91% shooting. But did you notice the, the I can get to any spot on the court and get the shot I want piece these last three weeks in a slightly different way, or am I imagining this?
1: Well, I just think, I don't, first of all, you're not imagining it, but he's, he's giving you a complete game because he knows it's the only way they have a chance to win. So whatever he was doing in the construct of the offenses over the years where he's always the greatest teammate to play with of the superstar teammates, because he still wants you to get yours. He's going to keep setting screens. He's going to keep moving around, repositioning all the time. He plays through every single possession, no matter if he has a ball or doesn't have the ball. And that's just a really rare thing. It's just what he takes pride in and he cares about doing it. And unfortunately, other guys are just like, you know, I'm going to get my 30. I'm not doing all that shit, too, <laughs> you know, and to see him now go, there's no one else I have to really worry about getting involved here, so I'm I'm going to be looking to finish at the rim instead of kicking out. I'm going to be looking to to take this, as soon as I get an inch, I'm going to take this shot off a high screen. And, I mean, these numbers are nuts. He's, he's going to lead the league in scoring. As you said, it's 40 a game this month. That's 14 threes per game, and he's shooting 49% on 14 threes a game in their winning bill. You and I mean, By the way, he's getting defended. Oh
0: yeah. This isn't like garbage time shit. This isn't like, Oh, we forgot he's out there. The other team is concentrating on him kind of, you know, like it's LeBron in a playoff game or something. And he's still, he's just finding these little windows. You know, it's almost like watching, I don't know, like some great receiver who's getting double teamed, who's still figuring out how to get open, even though the defense is like, Hey, if we take that guy out, we win. Like Belichick would look at the words and like, let's triple team Steph, let, let Toscano Anderson shoot all day. Steph doesn't shoot. And Steph would still figure out how to get a shot off. It's really magical. He, and it's, we're going to do a segment a little bit tying into this, but, uh, I just love watching him. I watch as much when he's in these modes, I watch more of the Warriors than I do of the Celtics. Cause I'm just like, I don't want to miss out. That's how I ended up seeing the Jamal Murray knee injury the other night. Cause I want to see if Steph was going to get 60. You know, you're watching these games that are over with three minutes left. You're like, yeah, you might take two more threes. You're sticking around.
1: Yeah, that's how I, I mean, I've been watching him consistently now for almost a decade. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of years, Bill, I didn't miss a Warriors game. I didn't mm. miss one. And, you know, a couple of times this year, I felt like, oh, it's going to fall off. It's going to fall off. And we're going to get to this, I know, because we, we have this list of, of guys you loved seeing play, but. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do too much more on Steph because I need to use some of this for a little bit later on. But whatever. Whatever those runs that are on that league pass alert type move, like this, has been going on now for a few weeks with him. Well, right now he's second in career threes.
0: He is about two hundred behind Ray Allen. Um, he'll own that record unless Dame Lillard plays until five years after Steph retires, something like that. 470 playoff threes, first all-time. He's also one of 47 guys who have shot 40% from three for his career, which is nuts because he's, you know, taking the highest volume of them. Um, I, there's been a lot of talk about wasting his last window here. What do they do? I saw Woj on Countdown last night talking about, do they need to get a guy, this last piece of his prime... To me, I just feel like, to me, this is like a quarterback. This isn't like a basketball player. You almost have to think about it the same way you'd think about like Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay or something. Steph at 37, I think will be the same guy. Unless there's some injury coming that we don't know about. The stuff that he does, I just think is going to age the same way it would age for a quarterback. I think the hoops IQ piece of it is even going to get better. I think he's going to pick up little tricks and his hand-eye coordination is going to stay the same. And I think their window is a little bit longer than, than maybe people are giving them credit for. With that said, I still think if, if they end up getting like the fourth or the fifth pick um, and there's some way to rig that into a top 15 guy, they should think about it, right? Because if they could turn Wiseman and that Minnesota pick into Beal and bring back Beal and Clay Thompson and Draymond and Steph and some buyout guys, then you have another three-year window. Um, And Wiseman's going to take a while. Wiseman might be Jermaine O'Neal in Portland. It might not be till age 23 for him before he is an impact guy. I still believe in him, but you might argue the asset plus that Minnesota asset is not worth as much as the impact guy. But with that said, I still feel like he's got five years left at this level. I know that's nuts, but I really do.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think you mean like this month of April type no, no, no. I Steph, mean, but you're just twenty five you know, to thirty Steph. points a game kind yeah. of stuff. I don't know why his shooting would fall off. That all of a sudden you can't get open. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know why. Because I don't, you know. At one point I thought he was in the conversation for best handle in the league, but I think it's pretty clear that Kyrie has probably the best handle. Um, maybe we've ever seen. We've ever seen. It's okay. um, but Steph isn't isn't far off, whatever that next group is. That's how, I mean, honestly, Steph, the only times he screws up with his handles when he's just careless and he's kind of silly about it at times, which I think he'd admit. Um, Hey, can I ask you about Beal? Yeah. Have we all collectively overrated Beal? And I know the over under stuff can get a little annoying, but if he were all that, wouldn't the wizards be a little bit better? So I think
0: you got to think about what the big packages have gone for. Okay. Drew Holiday. He's worth more than Drew Holiday, right? And you look at what New Orleans actually gave up or got for Drew Holiday. Not as great as maybe it seemed before we knew Giannis was going to sign there, right? And you have to take the Adams contract and the Bledsoe contract, stuff like that. So he's worth more than that. What was the other big trade? Oh, the Harden trade. Harden was a bunch of picks.
1: This year's swap, too, just in case. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is your swap. <laughs> so, um, so excessive. But you could argue that Wiseman and the fifth pick in this draft is a really fair price for Beal. I'm sure Washington would want more than that. Maybe they wouldn't want to trade him at all. But do I think he's worth like what the Clippers gave up for Kawhi and Paul George? No, I don't.
1: Yeah, because now it just feels like it's mandatory. Hey, you're going to give us four picks and a couple swaps, and it could be six picks, and that way I can say I got all these picks because that seems to be the most important thing now. On some of these deals, I'd um, I'd rather be able to grab somebody like a Wiseman or then know exactly what the pick is going to be this year with a group that's you know pretty clearly every team I talk to. It's Suggs, it's Cade, it's it's Mobley, it's Green, and Kaminga. So it's, it's those five guys, so you'd know you'd be getting one of them if that's where the pick lands again. So Baylor did, guy,
0: Baylor guy's not not didn't make it a six six person list.
1: Mitchell's you know, I, I would say that the the Davion stuff. When I asked teams about who was top five, it was it was right before the run. You know, it was like another week or so of games, and then they won. Um, but uh, somebody did tell me that they were like, "Oh, he's the sixth guy," so now it's a top six. I you know, I don't know, whatever. The Can tiers. I throw a fake
0: trade at you? I don't yeah. know if I've ever done this before on the podcast with you. <laughs> I was just thinking of this because I cause I, in my head it's always Wiseman has to be with the Minnesota pick. But what if they kept the Minnesota pick? What if what if there was some sort of Wiseman Jaron Jackson trade? And you send Wiseman to Memphis where he's from. Would, why would Memphis do that though? Because you're basically buying a couple extra years on the rookie salary with that asset, right? Cause you got Jaron Jackson eventually is going to have a big contract coming up, but you also are going to have to pay John a couple of years too. So you're basically, you're basically resetting that. You could argue that Wiseman's ceiling might be higher than Jaron Jackson. And if you're the Warriors, you're getting somebody who actually could really help you next year, who I think is excellent.
1: Yeah. But see, the problem is with this is that everything you said is fine, except for the part where we already know that Jackson can play. Like Jackson yeah. looks like he's gonna play. And as much as I like Wiseman, you know, there were we this year. Right. There was we some haven't issues seen Jackson
0: for we haven't seen Jackson for a year, though. So you could argue maybe he's a slightly anyway. it was just a thought bubble. I can't wait to see it aggregated in some terrible blog post. But maybe <laughs> that guy who hung Steve Kerr out to drive, maybe that guy could aggregate it for us. But say hey, Drew Schiller. Hey, Drew Schiller, aggregate my Wiseman uh whatever trade and then try to make it seem like it wasn't just Two guys shooting the shit on a podcast versus like I had inside information or something. I fucking hate the aggregator era. Really, it's the worst. You
1: know, it's, I don't it think makes it's ever all, been worse. It all makes us worse at doing these because yeah, we Yeah, because in, we'll be in the back of your like, head, you're
0: like constantly tiptoeing. Yeah,
1: right. It sucks. I mean, it, it sucks, especially like I, if I get something wrong, fine. You know, I'm going to get stuff wrong. But more often than not, I'll see stuff about me and I'll go, well, that's not even close to what I fucking said. Like there there is a Jared Goff bust video where I did the whole segment where I was like, I'm afraid he might be a bust, but I, don't, I, I wouldn't say that right now. And the place, all they did was just use the deal saying that I said he was a bust. And now I'm like, wait a minute, am I right now? Are you guys going to run it again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, hey, so can I ask you one more thing about Memphis? Because I've been watching yeah. them a lot lately. Yeah. I like that they all seem to kind of know exactly who they're supposed to be. Right, yeah. all their roles, Grace and so Dylan
0: Not always Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. they are like I thought it. you liked Dylan Brooks. I
1: he's a little heat checky sometimes. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable to say. But Jonas has been better. Valanciunas is a nice player. He's good for yes. them. Um Yeah, I
0: got to say he's. I have him in a. I'm in my dad's old fantasy league. Jonas is just good. He just puts up stats every game. It's like 16 and 13, game after game. After and you know game. what he try
1: he busts his ass every game. You know, yeah. he's he's one of those guys. He's gonna he's gonna try, you know, and then I guess Kyle would be the other guy in the closing group. And so when I watch Jaw, is he good or is he great? I think he's I think he's both, depending on the game.
0: He he can he can look like a work in progress sometimes
1: you noticed that? Yeah, because whenever it's new and I just go, oh, wait, this guy can play. You know what I mean? Like with well, a rookie, I don't want to be an, an asshole about it. Like, hey, look at this guy. Look at the plays he's making. I mean, he's as exciting as any guard, probably in the league. But then there are moments with him where I go, oh, does he have like a bunch of bad habits here? And is it just because he's young or are these things that he needs to figure out? I don't know. I'd love to do a deep good versus great dive on him. I well. don't
0: like how much he talks to the refs. I don't like that in general, but especially with him, I feel I feel like he's always upset about a call he didn't get.
1: Doncic, um, your boys the all all first team with that. Doncic, uh, endless now.
0: Yeah, I'm worried Luca has been a little bit too enabled by the Mavs these last couple of years. Who else? Who's I having watching- a hard Who's having a hard conversation with him about? Hey, Luca. You can't complain after every single call. You just can't. It's it's counterproductive. At some point, the refs are just gonna be like, fuck this guy.
1: You know also, who you're has great. <laughs> yeah, you know who has real like, I can't believe I have to deal with you people face is is Dame Time. When he doesn't get when it doesn't go his way, he will do this like deep long stare down. Where he doesn't move his face at all, and then he doesn't get back on defense. And he he has it. He has not look. Most of the guys that are really good all have this nasty streak in them now, where they can play in the entire game. But uh, Doncic is out of control, and Dame will have moments late in the game. Where if it's not going his way, then he's pissed.
0: All right, we're going to play the game that uh, Rosso mentioned, but we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others. Real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at slash BS. That is simply safe with two S, slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man. and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. So I asked Rousseau to make a list of his favorite players to watch since Michael Jordan. That means we're going back since uh, summer of 1998 to now. And I did this off the top of my head. I didn't look it up. I didn't go through all the NBA teams to make sure I didn't miss anybody. I'm sure I missed one person. But here's, I know I here, did, so. here are the instructions I gave you. You can either use the, the player, just his name, or you right. could use a, a vintage of the player. Because there's been some LeBron seasons I didn't enjoy as much, but I really loved his middle two Miami seasons. So I, I wanted to include that on my list. But anyway, this is what I wrote down. And I think this is pretty much descending order for me. My favorite players to watch since summer in 98, since Jordan left. Now, caveat, I'm not a huge everyone stands around and watches the guy go one on one guy. So, this you is know, why Kobe, Kobe's not on your list. <laughs> it's, honestly, as much as I love seeing Iverson in person, it's why Iverson's way down on the list because there were years now, as granted the team that they put around him made it a lot less fun, but it was just like this guy's 11 for 30 and everyone else is standing around. I like more, I, I like my players to be a little more inclusive. So, my list started like this. I'll give you my first five, then you can give me your first five. Curry is my favorite player to watch since Michael Jordan. Kevin Durant is second. Steve Nash is third. Middle two Miami seasons, LeBron is fourth. And Jokic is fifth. That was my top five. I fucking love Jokic. Michael Porter Jr should go to church three times a week and just say thank you. I don't know what I did to fucking... I could be on Cleveland right now taking 28 shots a game. I would have no idea how to play basketball. And instead, I get to be around this fucking savant. And I am literally turning into an all-pro, all-star, just because I'm on the same team as this guy. I don't mean to overrate Jokic, but I am because I really feel like he's he's just... Porter's getting splashed with Jokic juice and when you play with somebody who's that fucking smart, we saw it with Nash. Um, your, eye, your hoops IQ just goes up. It just does. Porter had it anyway, but there's stuff he's doing the last month where you're thinking like, shit, this is why, you know, Houston, that was their number one target in any Harden trade was Porter. Anyway, that was my top five. Curry, Durant, Nash, middle two Miamiers, LeBron, Jokic. What do you have for your top
1: five? You already have Jokic in 20 plus years as your fifth favorite thing to watch. So we're not even talking about I fucking like love one it. I've had year. it. It's been yeah. for
0: a couple of years, though. I, you know, it's even it's been a three-year thing with him where it's just been an absolute delight to watch him play basketball. I think he's one he's certainly, you know, growing up, I never got to see Sabonis. I got to see pieces of Bill Walton. And now I get to Jokic, but now you're also adding this kind of Dirk, Larry Birdish, ish duran um, 22 feet from the basket scoring game on top of the passing.
1: I don't know. He'll do some stuff, too, that unless you're watching a game, you'll never see it, where it'll be some play that's falling apart, and then he like goes and throws it behind two guys in the baseline to somebody else, and the guy wasn't even ready for it because you're like, how did you even think of throwing this pass? And Joker's the only one that saw it. Like, he's the only one out of the other nine guys that are out there that even saw some of these angles. So I like like their plays that don't even lead to buckets sometimes because I can't believe the stuff that he's doing. He had a skip pass where he threw it through everyone. He threw it through everyone on the other side, like not over the top or swing it. He just went from, like, break to break, just Mm. whipped it one hand to another guy to take a three on the other side. And I was just like, so, you know what's funny is that when you bring him up and you go with your five, I didn't even have them and I'm like, yeah, that's probably a mistake, but this was hard. This was hard in a good way because there are just so many guys taking the last 20 years I was going through it all. But I know because I have a couple that I'm not even sure about, but I just like bringing them up. All right. So you want my top five? Cause this is funny enough. I don't think there's a huge amount of deviation with the two of our lists. Um, I have Steph 15, 16. It's the only other year he scored 30 a game. He's going to do it this year. Like I said, he may end up passing Beal here shortly. Um, and win the scoring title, but, when Steph first started shooting like this, I, I remember being worried it wasn't real. I, like, I was like, hey, is this just going to be this fluky stretch he has? And then the volume actually goes up, and he's even more efficient, which is basically unheard of. Like You're not supposed to get better. You're not supposed to become more efficient as the volume of shots goes up, and Steph somehow did that. I love LeBron's rookie year. I know statistically it's not the one that's ever going to stand out. But with all the promise and everything about him and seeing him immediately have moments where you go, this guy is going to be so special. Uh, it was fun. And LeBron was like must see for me back in the day with those games where I'd just be like, all right, LeBron's on. Like, I just want to watch this kid play hoops. And I remember it was I, wrote,
0: fun. I wrote a magazine com about that in the moment his rookie year. Just like, holy shit, this was better than advertised. Yeah, Who guessed? Right. this guy had so much hype. He's fucking awesome to watch.
1: I'm so glad he's here. Um, like you... Everybody with that Nash sons group. So when he went back to Phoenix, the 0405, you know, he kind of had a weird, similar Curry thing where it's like, well, they can't be any better than they were. And then he comes back and they're, they're even better. Obviously Curry and those guys get a title Nash didn't, but that was a time where basketball needed saving and Phoenix did that. So that became, I mean, really what we're talking about here is moments in time where teams, you've never had any emotional attachment whatsoever that all of a sudden you're kind of invested. Like I was upset. And I never, I've never disliked the Spurs. I, I respected the hell out of the Spurs the entire time. But Phoenix not winning that series bummed me out. And mm. I've never cared. Like, why would I? I mean, granted, I liked Phoenix when Barkley was there, but it was only because of Barkley. So uh, that, that Nash group is there for me. I have Zion right now fourth. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him on it. my bench. I, I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. And every, every possession that doesn't end with Zion touching it, you know frustrates me. And then uh, my fifth one here, I'll stay with New Orleans, Chris Paul's third year in the league. That team won 56 games. They lost to the Spurs in the second round in 7 games, and it was fun for me cuz I remember going, wait, he's already the best point guard in the league and that was his third year in. And it was yeah. one of those Byron Scott teams. You know, they they had Tyson Chandler, they had Pacha, um they had West, so that it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but that was a that was an all chris Paul production, where again, this is almost twenty years this guy doing this where wherever he goes he figures out a way um it's not twenty, but you can understand the point so i loved I love that because it was kind of a that third year for him was putting the rest of the league on notice that he was the best of the position I thought that's a good one
0: uh i other guys I loved two thousand eleven dirk I love that whole playoff run. and He really kicked ass. He basically took on the entire next generation of guys and ripped through them. And it was fucking incredible. Um, Duncan, as both of us have loved him, I I would say probably my favorite was um, 07 Duncan, where he was a little past his prime and he just could kind of, he just kind of knew when to do it. But just Duncan, his whole career, I loved. I love going to see him in person, the whole thing. Um, First two Clipper years, Blake, I had on here.
1: Yeah, I thought about it. I did. God, he was was so
0: in-person was just, it was basically like, it's kind of what we thought Zion was going to be. And Zion went into a completely different direction where he's this overpowering offensive playmaker that I, I just thought he was going to be doing alley-oops for the first two years in the league. And he's already kind of, it's like that stage already happened, even though it didn't. So I had him, um, I had 2021 Zion. I had 2017 Isaiah Thomas.
1: When no kidding. That's, that's a good one. I wouldn't have.
0: Five foot nine, that. just battling the Giants night after night. And he was basically one of the five best offensive players in the league. He was five foot nine. That was my version of an Iverson season. So I, I picked him over Iverson just because he was a Boston guy. And then I have to put Manu in here. Just because uh, I fucking loved everything about Manu. I also love that he was like the guy who knew he wasn't the lead actor in a movie, but he could, he was like Robert Duvall. He's like, I could lead the movie, but you're actually better having me as like Tom in The Godfather, where I'm in some scenes, but in every scene, I'm incredible. And then the last one I had was uh, early 2000s, Seaweb, For the same reason you mentioned with Nash, I think those Kings teams were weirdly important for the league at that point. Because there just wasn't a lot. Sacramento and Dallas were basically the only two fun basketball teams there for like four years. And that Kings team was really important and has fallen through the cracks of history. And now everybody just remembers the Lakers series and they got boned over. But that team was really fun to watch and was appointment viewing on DirecTV. So that was my list.
1: All right. um, I'll pick it up then at six. KG coming over to Boston in (laughs) 2007. Great one. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't have it. Uh, I, I can't point to necessarily think, hey, I love the way he switched on screens and smaller guards. But to see somebody who was basically labeled a loser overnight be labeled like the ultimate winner was kind of cool because I never thought he was a loser. He just had an awful resume. It's kind of like yeah. a, a big Chris Paul where, you know, I've joked with you when we did the Book of Basketball, Chris Paul love fest, where I go, he's the ultimate winner who hasn't won because every time Chris Paul goes somewhere, the teams are just that much better. Um and with KG coming over in a situation where it was just a different level of franchise with Boston and Minnesota and to see it every single night and I was still covering those teams and how much he changed the whole vibe uh, I don't know it's just it's like to see a guy that locked in from game one until the very end and change who a team is and buy into it, it was it was it was more than just stats um I put down Durant for that midsection with OKC where he just you just knew, okay, this is this guy's thirty every single night, and he's thirty in an efficient way. And yeah, I know the the Westbrook stuff get frustrating and all that kind of stuff, but it was just kind of cool. Like I was going through all the Durant's numbers again. Here, he's dangerously close to like now becoming a guy that we have to remind ourselves how good he is because he doesn't play that much anymore. I mean, I know we I all know, but go ahead. I would put the entire OKC Durant basically from
0: '09 on, except for the year where he got hurt. I just I loved watching him that entire time. 2011, 12 Durant was really fun. Uh, his 14 NBA se- MVP season was ridiculous. 2016 Durant, when he was kind of, kind of weaning Westbrook along as Westbrook's kind of breaking away and wanting to really become Westbrook. Um, I liked all of those stages, and you know, there's been flashes of it this year on Brooklyn. It's just really fun to watch him get two points. He's the best scoring forward I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, so I just felt like I had to throw him down there. I'm going to go with Jason Kidd. Um, you could mm. probably pick the end of the Phoenix run, but what was really impressive is he went to a Nets team that won 26 games, and then they won 52 as soon as he got there. And it's like the
0: Chris Paul thing this year,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of if I had to lean one way, I would because some of the Phoenix stuff because of his athleticism and everything is probably the most impressive. But when he got like Richard Jefferson and Kenya Martin those guys and they were out there running around. And hell, I mean, they still went far enough, made it to the finals.
0: That's a really good one because I think he had one year. I'm doing this off the top of my head where it was like Rex Chapman, Danny Manning, uh that and they won like 56 games. They they lost in the round one both of those years, but there was one of those Suns teams we all had really high hopes for because they were just so fucking fun to watch. And it was because of Kid.
1: Yeah, they you're right. They lost to the Kings in the first round. I mean, and yeah. they look, they got rid of Kid. And they went from 51 wins to 36. They had to get rid of kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had to. Um, and they lost the Lakers in the second round. They lost the Trailblazers in the first round. So you're right. I mean, they were, they were getting bounced out all the time. But I just had to bring him up. Uh, AI, just the, the early part where you were still hopeful you were yeah. still hopeful as opposed to later on with AI where it felt like, all right, you're just being held hostage. Like you're only going to play one way and you're going to play his way and playing his way probably isn't going to lead to that many wins. Um, for
0: me, for me with AI, it was an in-person thing, not a TV thing.
1: I didn't really yeah. enjoy it as much on TV in person. It was incredible. It was amazing. This one's weird, but I I just remember enjoying it. That Gilbert Arenas run with Washington. Mm, I thought about it. I had an honorable mention. No, I'm with you. <laughs> he was having, you know what I mean. He would have like a couple weeks where you were like, "Man, this guy's getting forty, and he's like a guy, and he's having fun with it, and he's like telling people off." And that series, that first round series against Cleveland, was a great playoff series. Like it that was, was a, that was a really fun first round. So I put Arenas there, Duncan, just the respect to Duncan, eleventh, and then of course my all time favorite role player, Adrian Griffin with the Celtics, 2000, 2001. No one's ever <laughs> played smarter <laughs> basketball than Adrian Griffin. Yeah, there was there was a run
0: with him when uh, they were comparing him to the guys from the 70s and the Celtics. It was he like, like, what would it have been little, like if he was with Cowans and Havacek? he's like, he's like a quicker Satch, Sanders. The reason I want to do that exercise, other than it's fun to go down memory lane with some of these guys, and I also think like your list kind of says what kind of basketball I you? Like. Other people would have lists and they would have Kobe and Iverson and, you know, Harden, and, you know, that you just might be more of an ISO guy. I'm... I'm more of an inclusive. I like when the team is tied to the guy directly a little bit more than that. Um, But the reason we did that is because I knew Curry would be first on your list. And I knew he'd be first on mine. He's my favorite player to watch is Jordan. And uh, it was weird. And we talked about, we've talked about a couple of times on the pod over the years when there's this weird Curry backlash and people have to shit on him for whatever. And then it all comes around again. Like it did these last three weeks. And then it's like a Steph Curry jerk off. It's like, Hey everybody, this is who he's been for eight years. This is who he's going to be for another five. Like there's no, there's no like, Oh man, this is a hot streak. Like this is the, this is the most one of one basketball player we've had in a long, long time. There's nobody like this person. There are people who can patch together stats that look like him. Like damn stats He just did the blind player A, player B thing. Dame stats would look like step stats, but it's just different to watch. And there's nobody like him. Nobody. He was like this in college. I hadn't seen anybody like him in college doing the stuff he was doing in March Madness. And then he got through the ankle shit and he's been like this ever since. And he seems like an awesome teammate too. So we've covered all this stuff, but he's my favorite.
1: Yeah, the only thing I would add to it is at the beginning of this year, when you looked at the roster that he had out there and you're going... You know how is he going to look without Clay? And oh, look, they're keeping two with him. You know there was there was this this anti Steph because let's face it, if you're a Harden fan, you don't like Steph. You're never arguing for Steph. If you're a Westbrook fan, then you know you, you're doing whatever you can begrudgingly to acknowledge how special he is. But you're you're you know because you know right now if you're listening to this and you haven't been on board with the Steph thing. like, oh, some of the stuff's cheesy or whatever. Like, you've been trying. So there was a moment. You thought you had a moment at the beginning of this year when it looked like it was a struggle. And you're like, hey, look, we still don't even know if this team's making the playoffs. But for him to put together this kind of run where everyone should be only trying to stop him and there's no other, you know, Wiggins has been better. I think Wiggins has been more engaged this year than he has been in other seasons. But let's face it. I mean, the Wiggins. Congratulations. Yeah, like, right. the, (laughs) The Wiggins experience isn't all that impressive. But there was this this almost hopeful negativity building around Curry. And I could see it at the beginning of the year on social media where I was like, Oh, these are like, guys are just, you know, guys are totally exposing where they're at with different guys. And look, I'm biased for and certain and against other guys too. Like we all are, it's impossible not to be, but it was kind of funny where it was like, Oh, there's going to be maybe some people feeling like they're going to get a victory lap here if Steph struggles this season and said, he's, he's a borderline MVP candidate.
0: Well, and then, like, when LeBron had a season like this where he didn't have a lot of help, it was 2018. If you go through that team, that team was a little more talented than maybe we gave it credit for. Go Breen. through the basketball reference roster. There was a lot of good players on that team. Um, all right, we're going to take one more break and then come back and I have some other stuff for you. This episode is brought to you by Peloton Spring. The best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. Going to start wearing shorts. Going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or sixty minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps. Full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring customizable 48 inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. So Jokic Embiid is going to become a thing over the next couple of weeks. I don't think we need to spend 25 minutes on it. I I'm more surprised that there's enough people who think Jokic's MVP case is flimsy enough that they're willing to say I'd rather have 75% of the season of Embiid. I think that was more valuable because if you if you break it down like Philly's 30 and 8 with Embiid, they're 9 and 9 without him. Jackie and I did some of this uh a few days ago, so I don't want to uh I don't want to belabor it. I I would say the case the case for Embiid, if you're going to do it, is really, and I don't believe in Jokic case, you almost have to start there before you even make the Embiid case. Denver is 36 and 20 as we're taping this. His offensive season that he's having, you know, I looked it up. I looked Bird from 84 to 87 was 27, 10, and seven every night for four years. He won three MVPs and his fourth season was probably better than the three MVP seasons. Jokic is basically the same. He's at 27, 11, and 9, something like that. So he's basically having a Larry Bird offensive season um, with some new in there. Uh, but the durability is weirdly going to be the reason he probably wins the MVP. He was the one person in this goofy, fucked-up season who was just able to have it bounce off him. He's played every game. you know. And now that they don't have Murray... This team should be falling apart, and I don't feel like they're going to because of how good he is. And then we talked about the uh, the Hoops IQ splashing on somebody like the, the difference that he can have on guys like Porter, what, you, what we've seen from Aaron Gordon just in a short time, stuff like that. So I don't feel like there is a shit on Jokic to make the Embiid case case unless Jokic gets hurt. Then we can have it. He hasn't. What what do you think? Because they, you could see it Thursday and Friday. There were some people who were like, "Look, man, Embiid's the MVP." I I just don't think it's Jokic. It's like, really, what else does he have to do? He's having the best, he's having a, the best offensive season, um, all the way around of really any center forward from an efficiency standpoint that we've seen. So what's wrong with that?
1: Nothing's wrong with it. First of all, all right, because we know that the metrics for for joker are off the charts all right some of the stuff that he's off doing the charts off the charts and he's the only guy that's played and so if we go over the timeline again it was hey lebron's going to win mvp and it was if he keeps this up and they have a good record he plays a full season lebron's going to get it because it's like hey lebron's owed one although i am looking forward to if joker does win this mvp somebody three years from now going can you believe joker won it over lebron <laughs>
0: oh that'll happen what do you mean
1: because in (laughs) the moment i mean if you said it right now you go no one will ever say that you're like i don't know man i mean the way these topics have so the topic itself is really weird because then it was Embiid, and then it was like man i guess harden actually is going to get enough momentum here that it's a real possibility and he was deserving of it as well but the weird thing about Embiid, as you point out it's like what did you guys think he was never playing again so like we write these guys off and take them out of the conversation And then they start playing again and holy shit, they start playing really well because they've been awesome all season long. And then you're like, you have to actually see it to believe it. Like he wasn't going to be out the rest of the year. So all the Embiid momentum that happened this week with a couple of their wins, it was like, well, you know, we probably shouldn't have written him off. And you go, well, what? So then what's the point of all of this? Because basically anytime somebody has been hurt. And now Harden's missed more time. He's not brought up. LeBron's going to be missing all his time. It's going to be hard for him to win it. What was the number? You can't win. You can't miss more than 10 games in a regular season. You can't miss more than 10 or you don't get it. But what if everybody is missing time other than Joker? I mean, look, I would vote for Jokic at this point. I just think he's been good enough on a good team to back it up. And all these guys have missed time. But I wouldn't tell somebody voting for Embiid they were nuts. I just thought it was kind of weird that we completely write these guys off. And they come back and they start playing really well because, again, they're awesome players. And you're like, hey, you know what? Embiid's still in this. <laughs> you're just like, right. why, why were you convinced he wasn't, though? The case for Embiid is
0: he's the best two-way choice. His impact is on the defensive end is just better than Jokic. I think he's had the highest game ceiling. So, I mean, he's just like he had 45 and 16 against Miami. 42 and 10 and 30 and 11 against Boston and 40 and 19 against Utah 36 and 14 against the Clips 39 and 13 against Brooklyn. He had a game the other day against Boston 16 for 20 from the free throw line. It seems like in these bigger games, there's a real alpha dog thing going on, which has to be considered with the MVP. Um, I think he has been at his best, the most alpha doggy of anybody this season. He just hasn't played enough of it. And you know, the, Bill Walton was the one that, uh, is the go-to for this, which was a similarly fucked up season, the 77, 78 season where there really just wasn't another candidate. They went 50 and 10 with Walton and people decided, fuck it, that's enough. Other than that, they, they had this percentage of games played lowest, uh, thing on countdown last night and Giannis in 20 and 19, Iverson in 01 and Harden in 18 were basically like 86, 87% of the games. Embiid would be, at best, 75%, and maybe even 74%. And look, if Jokic had missed 15 games, I would have been fine voting with Embiid. But the fact that he has been so durable in a season when nobody's been durable, I hate using durability as an MVP point, but it has to be this season. He's survived an an unsurvivable season and thrown this Nuggets team on their back. By the way, they're they're fourth in offense for points scored their fourth in assists, their third per 100 possessions, their third in field goal percentage, and their eighth in rebounding. Like, who, who do you think is doing that? That should matter too. Philly is 13th in points. They're 24th in assists. They're 13th in per 100. You know, they're just not as good offensively. So, um, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's yoke. We shouldn't even be talking about it. And we've already probably
1: spent too long. I guess I just didn't want to be so dismissive of Embiid, but yet I—I don't—I don't 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 want to be either, right? Because I I think you have to include the defensive part of this too. Like Embiid, for all the shit he gets, like, and I like Shaq on the post game show. I do. You know, I think it took me a while to like Shaq on the show, and those guys. Thanks, Tyler Solo. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) They they can be they can be like really impressionable though too, right? I think for the the media because everybody just loves that TNT show so much. So if one of those guys comes out and they're you know they're always like Embiid, you got to do it every night, got to do it every night, big fella. got to do it every night. Embiid's kicking the shit out of people every night. Yeah. So he is. are we are we now like off his case a little bit? Yeah, he's gonna look a little tired. He's a human. He's an enormous human being. But you know they did. I didn't. I don't think I brought this up because it was one of those weird games with Carl Anthony Towns like two weeks ago. And Carl, look, like, you know Embiid doesn't like him. It, Towns doesn't like Embiid, and I actually was impressed with Towns because he was getting his ass kicked and he fought yeah. back. And I was like, "Hey, you know what? I like this. I like like they lost the game, but I go. Towns is pissed and he's fighting back here. But at the same time, too, like some of that stuff that's nasty and physical. You know, I can I can have moments where I think like the Pat Beverly and Dwight Howard stuff are cheap shots. But with Embiid, I'm like, no, this guy's like he's mixing it up and he's letting you know like don't come in here and some old school shit. And I just appreciate it. I, I you know I really. I enjoy watching him play. He's he's probably one of my favorite guys in the league because when it's right, it's stupid. It's just stupid that there's nothing you can do with him. And even now when people don't go for his up fake all that much anymore, you know, Doc is just better. You know what I mean? That's the other thing too, is you realize with Brett Brown, like, Doc's like, hey, this is what we're gonna do with you. We're gonna get you more touches there and it's gonna make everybody's life easier. And even somebody like Tobias Harris, who I I would argue can disappear for long stretches, he's been really good for them. So, you know, I think MB just makes everybody's life better because they're running a better offense.
0: Embiid's had an awesome season. He's only played 1,224 minutes so far. I looked up the fewest amount of minutes played by an MVP. Number one was 1999 Carl Malone, the 50-game season. That was 1832. And then 1978 Bill Walton was 1929. Jokic is headed toward 2000 already. It's Unfortunately for Embiid, he was, I think, the dominant player of the season, but he just missed too many games and that's the way it is. But um, his perth, have you, th- have you looked at his per 36 numbers? He's no. 33.5 points a game, 12.4 rebounds a game per 36. So that neighborhood is seven wilt seasons, three Elgin seasons, one Kareem season, and one McAdoo season. That's it. It has not happened for a long, long time. We're talking like 40 years where somebody has put up per 36 like that. And the eye test matches it too, because he's doing some, you know, this, that weird step where it seems like he's taking like this dinosaur step where it's like, he takes a step back 20 footer, but he was 15 feet from the basket when the step back started. Um, I love how he gets to the line in big games. He really has a thing with the Celtics this year. And that's why. Um, if he's healthy, I just don't think the Celtics can beat them because I just think he's tired of losing the Celtics. And if he plays them in a series, he's going to go to the free throw line 20 times a game. He's the only player right now in the league that I think could just physically overpower a team. Now, you could say the Lakers potentially could do it if LeBron and Davis are healthy, but we haven't seen it. But what LeBron and Davis were able to do last year, they just physically overpowered everybody. And Beat is the only guy who can do that in the league right now unless the Lakers can do it. In my opinion,
1: yeah, and he's getting he's getting his work. Um, I forget. I can't. I, I've watched like three of other games, so they're all kind of blending together here in the last week because they've just been. They've been well, games he's kick-ass. He's kicked yeah, ass at all of them, right? But he's just immediately you're looking up, and he's at twenty points with like six minutes ago yeah. in the second quarter, and you're easy. Go, okay, they're this easy is, twenty points, <laughs> right? And there's helpless, like a helpless opponent yeah. going. There's nothing we can't do anything with him right now.
0: Um. Him versus Brooklyn. The Aldridge thing, look, I I thought he was pretty washed, but he was a body and he was six fouls and he had size. And from a size standpoint, look, could Brooklyn beat Philly in a series if Embiid averaged 39 a game in the series? Yeah, they absolutely could. I just don't think they have anybody to guard him. It's not going to be Blake Griffin. Claxton's too small. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I just think, is at a different point of his career. And at crunch time, they're going to want to have to play Durant. They're going to be so nervous to rely on Durant in any situation when he can't stay in the court that Embiid's going to feast on that team. It might not matter, but it's, uh, it's worth mentioning. Um, okay, a couple more things. MVP rankings. So Jokic, Embiid, Giannis is kind of out. It's, we're, we're just down to two candidates here with with four weeks left, I think. Is that fair?
1: Steph's not going to get it, but if he, what, we got another month to go here, would he? could he finish third? They're one
0: game under five hundred right now.
1: Yeah. It's pretty tough. I'm just talking about, I'm not talking about him winning it. I'm, I'm just no, no, I simply know. like third. And then I think, you know, the Chris Paul traditional stats just aren't going to be enough, but maybe we should focus more on the fact that what he does. But now I'm arguing about guys are going to finish third. So, you know, I'm kind of wasting everybody's time.
0: Yeah, but on the other hand, I have to <laughs> put five guys on my ballot. So after what you, would do you do Jokic, now? And Embiid, well, that's what I was going to ask you. So I had like, depending on how many games Giannis misses, he's probably third. I think Dame is in there somewhere. I think Curry's in there somewhere. I think CP3 is definitely in there somewhere. And then you kind of move to, <laughs> you're going to laugh. What would the Knicks record have to be for me to consider Julius Randle for the five spot?
1: <laughs> uh, undefeated the rest of the way. He's awesome like, like look, what I, what
0: what if they were 30 what would, 40 how many games are there 72 so it'd have to be like 42 and 32 or no f- 42 and 30 41 and 31 they're not they're
1: probably not going to do that right they're, they're not going going do that yeah
0: no they're they're four games over but oh, Randall's oh, 24 11 and six and you can't name one other player on that team who you can rely on game to game. You'd be like, oh, R.J. Barrett's getting good. Okay, I've watched games where R.J. Barrett's gone two for 15 and has been a zero the entire game. So I got Derrick is good. All right, do you trust Derrick Rose? Ah, Quickly's been really good. Look at Quickly's stats the last couple weeks. He's shooting like 30% for like a month. Um, Just go on through. There is no reason that team should be over 500. If you're going to give me the Curry case, the Randall case I think is stronger than Curry's because their record is actually better than the Warriors' record. And I'm really impressed by him. I I think he's a good creator for other guys. He's not just like this black hole. Like he makes good, even in the game today in New Orleans, when they came back, he passes up shots to give somebody a better shot. That, inconceivable. You never would have guessed that he could have done that two years ago. I'm stunned by his season.
1: No, the biggest thing is the assist numbers. You're right. And I I don't, I can't, that's why I would give Tibbs coach of the year. That team isn't that good. And they've defended all year. There were some fluky things about their defense that hasn't now come back to bite them. They've gone on this stretch. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I, I kind of lost track of them being this many over 500 because I feel like every time I look at the standings, I'd be like, oh, they're 500, one below, one above. Okay, whatever. No big deal. On they're 31 and, and 27 right now. Right. Um, They've won six in
0: a row, just definitely-
1: FYI. No, but I think I would say Steph over Randall when we're talking about conferences because the East, after those, after those three teams, you know, Atlanta's going to end up being a four seed.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean. Atlanta's thirty-one and twenty-six. Yeah, I had Clint Capella as my ninth pick. Um, I, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> if the season ended today, I would probably go Jokic, Embiid, Giannis. I would put Chris Paul fourth, and then you're in that Curry, Dame, Harden, Randall group.
1: Yeah, like let's see, let's see what happens with Harden the rest of the way, because of the same way that. Everybody was like, oh, hey, Embiid's still good. You know, that's what the week felt like. You're, you're right to point that out because I was like, wait, why, why is this coming up as if we're supposed to be surprised that he's playing well again? I think the same he's, thing happened. He was the
0: best player of the first half. We're, right. It's not a shock that he was good when he came back.
1: Right. And so I think Harden, you know, again, they're probably done. They're probably. Joker's going to get it. But I do think that. Hey, can I ask you something? Because this was making the rounds this week, too. Did was Houston constantly emailing voters about Harden all the time back in the day? Cause I remember somebody was talking about it recently saying that actually probably worked against Harden in the vote because they were so annoyed how often Houston was emailing voters about Harden. I think there
0: was a lot of stealth PR on the rocket side that maybe was uh, counterproductive.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Here's the thing with the MVP vote and there's, we still have basically 14, 15 games left. Chris Paul cannot be lower than fourth, and I don't care what the stats say. Don't, don't give me stats with him. Just don't. They're 40 and 16. They're going to be a one seed. I think they're going to get the one seed over Utah. They win 80 to 90% of their games. They went, started at 8-8. Eight and eight. They basically been winning 85, 90% of their games since. And he's put his imprint on all, all and he's made every guy on that team better. They play in his style at his pace. They're really good at the end of games and that stuff should matter to me. It's like a little bit like the KG 2008 thing, not that they're going to win the title like the 08 Celtics did, but he went to this franchise that had him in the playoffs for 11 years that had most of those guys there already. And he taught everybody what to do and you can't overstate it. So I, he has to be fourth with all the injuries, but the, the thing is this season sucked because we've had too many injuries and the whole thing all right, um I have a couple couple uh non basketball things for you. one, you had Chris Sims on this week, yes, who's excellent, who has a really good track record for talking about QBs. He had Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence on his board, yeah, and made this whole case for it, and i I'm at one of my daughter's soccer things as they're all warming up, listening to my headphones, and ten minutes. Into the thing, I'm like, yeah, Zach Wilson. Why isn't he? Like, he just had a way of everything he said, I was just in. And then he was really, like, not enthusiastic about fields. And there's just been enough of these smart people who are just picking apart fields now that my head's just spinning with this draft. We're now 10, 11 days away. I don't even know what I want the Patriots to do anymore. I'm, my head, I'm being pulled in nine directions. It does seem like there's going to be at least one quarterback there at 15. It would be stupid to trade up, but like the stuff he said about Kellen Bond, who everybody has in the second round. I've read cases on the internet. I've watched YouTube clips where you're just looking at Kellen Bond, and you're just like, does this guy just have bad PR? Is this just just unfortunate that he was at a school and he was in the mix, but not in like a a, a cool way? So, and then well, because he wasn't
1: get, he. Honestly, Bill, I've watched Kellen his whole career and he okay. was, he was much better this year, but he was always this guy that you felt like he was going to kind of let you down a little bit in the previous years. So, and then when Sims was like, you know, he's a little stiff. I'm like, he's a little stiff. Like everything with him is super stiff. So why is that going to go away? Cause then he, Mon was making the point to him and he's like, well, you know, I, they had me in this offense and I had to do all these things and whatever. And it's like, okay, so now you're going to get to the NFL he's going to be way more relaxed. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I call him Kellen Bond or Kellen Mond. You've called them both, but I think you're covered in case there's a bond.
0: My dad will call him bond for his entire Patriot career. <laughs> um, I don't like the stiff. I don't like the stiff part. The fields thing where, you know, the read thing has been pretty much the first read thing has been pretty much debunked. But when he's talking about how he's an elbow thrower, that concerns me. Cause I just kind of think at some point you are who you are with your throwing mechanics. You can tweak them. But if you just throw the ball a certain way, it, that's a really hard thing to change. And now he's in my head with Fields, who I was like 100% in on. Um, and then the Zach Wilson thing, I'm listening to it. I sent it to Fantasy. I'm like, you got to listen to this Chris Sims thing, talking about Zach Wilson. So Fantasy was like, fuck this. I don't want to hear it. I'm like, no, just listen to it. So then he listens to it. and He's like, fuck this. This is a reverse jinx. Like Jets fans are just, whatever the outcome, they're just going to assume the worst. But- um, <laughs> But how ironic would it be if they nailed the Zach Wilson pick and the Jets actually did something smart for once?
1: It'd be unbelievable. Now, I'd heard Wilson to the Jets the whole time. Like, that was back in January. That's what you were hearing. Like, hey, this guy's going to go too. And the funny thing is, even if you were Urban Meyer and you were evaluating this, and probably, like, if a couple guys in the roof were like, you hey, know I think we like Zach better, you can't take him. Like, you can't, right? You have to take Trevor Lawrence. You can't be the team that, like, overthinks it, then again, I don't know. I mean, are you talking yourself into something so that you don't have to ask yourself that really tough question? But there's also another thing that'll happen in the draft process where I've, I've watched a lot of it on TV because now, because Fields is getting dinged, now there's a bunch of people sticking up for Fields, all right? And it'll be like, hey, what the hell happened? Like me, and, and I do not right. even know him. And, and one of the things I can't stand is when people will say, he, what's he done since the end of the season to now to drop like this? You're like, is this your first fucking draft? Have you not yeah. paid attention to how these work? When Cam Newton went one, that was a buildup over weeks of like, yeah, I'll probably go top ten. Oh, seven, he could go seven. And then as you get closer to the draft, it's like, oh, no, actually, like, they think he's the guy. And they're just going to go ahead and take him number one. There are all sorts of times, like, all of the scouting is not done as soon as the last college football game is over. So if you have professional teams finally putting together all their scouting reports that are a couple months removed from the actual season being over and then they start sharing more of their information with other draft people or other reporters, like, you can have not played a game and then have everybody talking about you in a certain way now that they've done all the prep work that they didn't even have done back in January or December. So that's what can happen. You know what I mean? So, like, the idea that Fields is this, it's unfair in the process and, like, what happened to him? No, I think it's just that more and more people finally were like, okay, I formed my opinion on him, that my opinion was not completed. I wasn't ready to share it with anybody back in December and January. And now that I've gone back and watched the film, I don't like it as much as I thought I liked it when I was watching the season. So I think that's, it's pretty normal. I'm just always surprised by how many people that act like it's this atrocity, like, oh, the guy hasn't even played, and now he's falling off draft boards. would be like, no, this, how, do you not know how this works? I just explained it to you. It seems like everybody's wrong with
0: college quarterbacks all the time. I remember all the people who said Tua was like the best college quarterback they've ever seen. And then then it's like, well, how do you even judge somebody when they have the best offensive line and three first round picks that they're throwing to and then the best offense? How do you project that? Conversely, how do you how do you project it with Wilson? Because everybody talks about what a garbage schedule he played on BYU. And it's like, well, you, of course you look good in the BYU games. Blah, blah, blah. We, when, he gets, when he jumps a level, we'll see. But that wasn't that the case we used against Josh Allen. And then he was able I just don't know how you do this. And you're going to bat 50% regardless of what your strategy is. Basketball is so much easier, it feels like, to decide who's good. I just think it's like that kid from Baylor. I didn't watch a lot of college basketball this year, but I, I watched some March Madness. I'm like, that kid's going to be a good pro. Like, I'm in. I know the things that he's good at translates to the NBA. I don't know what pick he's going to go, but he will be a good pro. I'm positive. Whereas quarterbacks, it's like people just, even Trevor Lawrence, sure thing, generational talent. And then you'll see stuff like, ah, doesn't really love football. Could take it or leave it. It's like, well, those are red flags. (laughs) Don't we know that's the red flag or red flags? Doesn't really love it. Isn't that the one thing we're looking for here?
1: I would have loved it if when I signed with a ringer, like the quote i give him, like, I'm not sure that I'm that into this, but didn't have a lot of options and, you know, figure I figure I'll just kick the tires on this experience for a little while, but can't wait to get started. But like
0: Priscilla doesn't really love audio. Yeah, he does. It doesn't really love it. Like when somebody's saying that about a quarterback, I just get nervous. I'm sorry. I don't care what, how good his physical tools are.
1: You know, it's always funny, though, whenever I hear about big guys, be like, the rule with big guys in the NBA is that big guys don't love basketball. And then I remember like thinking it was so terrible when I would hear about some big guy that doesn't love basketball. And then I was like, man, I'm actually surprised now when I hear about a big guy that does love basketball. Like, that's one of the things I love about Embiid is I think Embiid loves beating up on guys and showing you how special he is. Yeah, right. He's just different. So I almost don't think of him as, as a big, big. But then when I'll hear a story about some other guy, I'll be like, what's the deal with him? Like, he hates basketball, man. He hates it. And so. That's that one almost makes sense because you're like, hey, you're huge. You're going to be seven feet. Here's a basketball and some shoes. And now you're going to be on all these travel teams (laughs) and we're going to see if we can get you into college. And you're probably like, all right, whatever. I guess I'll just do this. But if you're a quarterback and it's true about you, um, I don't know, man, I've watched all those Clemson games. I I never felt like there was a moment where I go, this kid's not into it. He was a fierce competitor. He was giving his body up all the time. He's a sick athlete. Um, You know, Dilfer said, hey, you know, all you guys that act like he's super clean, like he's a little long in his throw, but I don't even think I care about mechanics anymore because whenever anybody says like, oh, look at his footwork and look at his mechanics, I'll be like, yeah, OK, but how many times do you get to plant and like follow through perfectly with these clean throws? You actually don't. So it really does come down to arm talent and arm strength and this baseball thing. Everybody's in love with Post Mahomes, which is what Wilson has is all these weird angles and bad yeah. platforms and getting the ball out and. I know that I have been convinced I'm right about a quarterback and I was unbelievably wrong and I don't think it's getting any better as you said and I I've, I've done it I may even do it again this week on my pod just run through it. If you're being nice it's 50% busts. You know, you have five guys going to class and 3 years later half the class is going to be somewhere else and no one's getting any better at this position. Like no one's ever getting any better at evaluating this thing because I think the things that people always talked about for years you know, I had draft stories on, right? So Chris Sims was talking yeah. about Kyle Bowler. Do you remember when we were younger hearing about this Kyle Bowler dude who could throw it through the uprights on his knees from 70 yards out? And you were just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Not realizing how incredibly relevant it is. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you, you have the circus trick, and it doesn't fucking mean anything. So I think the hardest thing with that position is all the stuff that you used to look at and think about. And now with even more stats and every possible video and all the information you can have and no one's getting any better at drafting position just proves how hard it is. Not that the guys are bad at it.
0: I I remember when I was at ESPN and Grantland doing a whole thing about charisma in the QB position, how maybe that's what they should be looking at more than arm <laughs> what was angles the premise? and all this shit. Like,
1: give, give me what the, what was in the first paragraph just well, asking. A,
0: God, this is so long ago. Because this I, isn't I even
1: a terrible idea, actually. You know what I mean? Like, I'm You know un-used? what it was? It was
0: whatever Mark Sanchez, when whoever was the ESPN analyst was something like there were five QBs in that draft, and he said something like, "If if you were going out with those five QBs and you're gonna toss the car keys to one of them, you toss them to Sanchez. He's got it." And I think I did it. I vaguely remember doing a whole thing in my column about like, "Yeah, that kind of should be what counts as a QB. Like, who's got that weird." leader thing that you can even see with like little kids. You can see with eight-year-olds, like somebody kind of takes charge. Somebody's kind of the alpha and you kind of need that with the QB position for whatever reasons, the one that, the ones that make it, they usually seem to have it. They usually seem to have that quality. Even Josh Allen kind of has it, you know? And I, I think people knew coming out of Wyoming that he had it, but I wonder like maybe that should be more important than some of this other stuff.
1: Granted, yeah, but then I, su- be- I sound
0: like an right. idiot right now, but I'm just saying. No, like, but I'm up for it. I'm up for this. I like, <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, I w- like I would take I would take so much credence in the interview with these guys. Like the three hours I got to spend with Zach Wilson about the Jets would be more important than any game film. I would really be curious about what are his people skills like? How does he carry himself? How how confident is he? Um, what does he have answers for everything we're giving him? Because as we talked about a million times, that position is the hardest thing to do in sports. And if you're not completely confident in yourself, you're going to suck at it. You just are.
1: Well, the problem is, though, like your example immediately brings up, like everybody loves hanging out with Mark Sanchez. All right. Everybody loves him. Guys that I know that have hung out with him. He went
0: to New England and beat the Patriots. Like he wasn't a bust, you know, and maybe he didn't have the talent, but he had enough confidence charisma that he won some big playoff games. So maybe that was a piece of it.
1: Yeah, but then why did it flame out?
0: Because I don't think so it, was it was that
1: good. When it was over for him, it was over. All right, so then the charisma thing would, would screw you up there. So you would not, you would be like, hey, what do you do on Fridays? <laughs> During the offseason. <laughs> Take would be me like, through your Friday. i was like, like well.
0: you're your LA Kings guys. I'd be like, listen, I know this is weird. I know this wasn't what you're expecting <laughs> from the job interviews, but I'm going to have you hang out with Matt Green and these guys that used to play in the Kings five, six years ago. They're just going to take you for 24 hours and I'll see you on Sunday at six o'clock. And then I, w- I would trust those guys more than my scouts. Like, what'd you think of him? How'd he do? Did he talk to everybody? Like, Hey, I, I think that's the QB position. Look at Brady. It, and the other piece is the work ethic. And I, I think the work ethic piece with basketball and football is the piece. I don't know how you scout it, judge it, guess for it. How do you know who has and who doesn't? But this is why I thought RJ Barrett was going to be good a couple of years ago, because everything I read was like, this is the kid who will be in the gym all day until he fixes the things he's not good at. And you've already seen in two years, he's gotten better at certain things, right? The work ethic piece, I don't know how you know that with the QB and who do you trust? Did the college coach tell you? Can you trust the college coach? It's it's like the Draft Day Kevin Costner movie, right? Where he's like, "Oh, why didn't anybody show up to the dude's birthday party?" Whatever the the quarterback he was going to take. I
1: didn't see the movie. I didn't uh, Daryl Morey. That was Daryl, like a big Morey plot. Daryl Morey said that it wasn't that true. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like the plot. So I was like, "Well, if Daryl doesn't like the plot, then I'm out." Yeah, but like
0: I don't know. It's Trubisky. See, I, think guys
1: like, I think guys like Trubisky, but I knew I knew Trubisky had serious problems because I asked uh, Fedora off the air. So it was right before that draft, and Fedora was like, I go, hey, what's the deal with Mitch? He goes, man, he's got a lot of talent. I was like, yeah. He goes, you know, if you write system, you know, give him the throws you trust. You know, protection's good. A couple guys on the outside, you know, balance it with the run game. Don't ask him to do too much. And I'm like, oh, my God, you think he stinks. Like he wasn't saying anything, but he wasn't going to tell me he wasn't good. Um, And that's the job. Like I asked Josh McCown on the air once when he was with uh, Hackenberg. Hackenberg was on the Jets. And I asked McCown, I go, what's up with Hackenberg? He goes, oh, all the talent. Big arm, big kid. Big, Big arm. arm. <laughs> Big arm. That's a good <laughs> I go, and I'm going. It's code for uh, run. I'm like, he doesn't <laughs> think he's any good. And, uh, you know, Josh is such a nice guy that I don't think he was going to ever sell anybody out, but it's a really good point because I felt like Belichick for years trusted too many guys. Like, he trusted Urban Meyer on everybody. You know? And Alabama.
0: Trust- and Rutgers. Those right. Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, he
1: hey. He, he loved Rutgers guys there for a while. He liked Pat Hill's guys for a while. I think. Um, By the way, think- that
0: thing Sims said about About Belichick, I thought was really astute.
1: Yeah. So, what he said was was
0: they, they, oh, you, you do it. You, you say it.
1: He just said, Hey, they want smart players. That was the old line, the the sign up in Pioli's office. If you want a smart team, draft smart players. He goes, I think that they err on the side of smart too often. He goes, So, there'll be a guy out there that, you know, 100 plays makes a couple mistakes who's 100 times more talented than the other guy, 100 plays never makes any mistakes. And you're like, Okay, fine. That's cool. This guy didn't make any mistakes, but you're drafting the lesser player. Like, suck up a few more mistakes. Don't default to smart all the time. Which, again, Chris was even admitting, hey, I was there a year. I don't really know what the hell was going on. I was doing scouting reports for those guys, so I wasn't necessarily in the draft room. But, you know, the track record's pretty bad. And so, the recent track record, at least. And, yeah, I thought you know, that was smart. It was. Good.
0: Uh, do, you, do you think pitch should go any later than four?
1: No, I don't, I don't think so. I think tight end position's, like, incredibly important now. And you know all these teams that you know want to talk about trying to get into the multiple tight end personnel, uh, you know I, I can just read about it and I can say hey I guess that's that's cool but but they were he was he was a problem all year man I mean this isn't some hyped up freak or whatever he was he was a guy that you couldn't defend I mean you couldn't do anything with him so seeing him go maybe ahead of Jamar Chase even though I like Chase uh more than. Than even his teammates, you know what I'm saying? Like the other teammates that were at LSU that are, you know, Jefferson had a great rookie year and everything like that. I still think Pitts, if you can get one of those, I, I feel like the teams that are really good have those freak tight ends that are huge matchup problems. So, you know, I'd want one of those guys. What about you?
0: Pitts should go four, but I'm not sure Atlanta should take him at four only because I think they could get a Kings ransom for that pick if they wanted but if they keep it, I think they should take him. I think it'd be the most fun if he went to Atlanta or Miami. Miami, if Miami somehow got him at six, that would be uh then it's just like two. You have no excuse. If you're good, we're gonna we're gonna find out now. Uh before
1: we go. Uh, wait, I wanna fl- ask you one thing though, because yeah. I, I'm I like you probably now for years. I mean, this has been going back a decade with me with the don't take a don't take a running back, don't take a running back. But now we're like Najee Harris and Etienne where they're projected to go, I actually think they're a little too off the radar. And I was talking really? with, yeah, because it was funny because like Stanford, Steve and I were talking because I, I trust him a lot on players. You know, he's, he's a huge college football fan, played, whole deal. And we were laughing about Clyde Edwards-Alaire because for Clyde, it wasn't automatic that he was a first rounder. Like through the course of that season, you go, you know what? He's not going to run real well, but you can see he just makes guys miss. His footwork in traffic is incredible. And, you know, they really were going four and five wide most of the time and just allowing Clyde to get all the, all these plays in space. So as the season went along, and I remember watching him from the end zone at some of the games I was at, I was like, oh, okay, like he's a pro. And then all of a sudden it turns into like the fantasy influence where people are saying you should be the number one overall pick in all <laughs> fantasy drafts. And now you're like, what? And I know he yeah. got dinged up a little bit, so there was a definite decline in his numbers towards the end. But you also thought with him and Mahomes, all this stuff. The whole reason I bring that up, is like Najee feels like an afterthought. Etienne feels like an afterthought in the sense of like running backs and and if I go back to that national championship game and and Najee's run, like that was an insane insane run by a running back and I don't feel like he's he's really mentioned at all as an option and and I know people are off the position, but even I, who would not probably ever spend a top 10 pick on a running back, feels like those guys are being completely overlooked. It's interesting.
0: It just seems like there's 75 running backs who could go for 125 yards in a game. Yeah, you're probably right. I think right. that's what scares people off. Okay, but so... But once you get to that last 10 picks of the first round... Yeah, yeah. That's where you got to do it, right? Because then you get this cheap running back for four years who might be awesome. Um, I've been in Florida the last few days for a soccer Yeah, what's going thing. on? Um, there's not a lot of mass going on here not no surprise um florida reminds me of it's it's basically hermosa beach if hermosa beach had like six drinks <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just kind of off the off the rails in a good way though i kind of i don't know i've kind of enjoyed being here it's just so different it's like it's really like being in a foreign country that's how i feel i don't feel like I don't feel like I'm in America and I've been to Florida. I just believe me, I've been in Florida a bunch of times. It's just, when I come here, it's such a unique experience, but even like the throw no mass thing. And one of the soccer games, somebody in the sidelines just lit up a, lit up a stick, was smoking a cig- cigarette <laughs> right on the sidelines, sitting in a chair, like the cigarette smoke's wafting on the field. I'm like, what's going on here? This is amazing. It's so, really, it's, it stays true to itself
1: at all times, Florida. <laughs> Does it, does it bother you or you just love observing it?
0: I love it because it it just, what you realize, especially the pandemic where we've all been stuck in the same places for a while, it's nice to just be somewhere different. It feels super different just because we've been stuck in, in the same places for so long. So now Florida, which I came with Ben, you know, we were here three years ago and I wasn't like, wow, this is so different. But I think from the pandemic piece of it, it just feels really different. And uh, I, I think I've always felt like Florida's kind of underrated.
1: Yeah, you don't sound anti this at all. Which I'm not I'm, anti I may be Florida. I'm maybe a little surprised. I'm not,
0: not anti Florida. I don't know if I could live here for like 30 years, but I put it this way the fact that they don't have state tax which is like, please come live here. We don't have state tax. Like, I feel like they bring a little more to the table than that, than some of the other states that have to kind of waive state tax to try to get more people. It's nice. There's some nice parts. That's my case for Florida.
1: You're not, not granted, Miami, I know it's though. weird.
0: Like, my, da- my daughter walked by herself for like half a mile the other day, and I was like, I might, might never see her again. She's in Florida. <laughs> like, like if there's ever a place you, you just be like, hey, what happened to your daughter? I don't know. She... Left the hotel and then that was it. We never saw her again. Um, so I get it. It's just, I, I've enjoyed it more than I thought, I guess is my point.
1: You're not in Miami, right? No, no, no. I'm here uh, for soccer stuff. Yeah, right. No, I didn't think you were like, hey, we're yeah, we're going to, we're going to Fountain Blue tonight. Um,
0: I guess the, 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 the weather piece, I guess would be the number one reason not to live here.
1: I've never, uh, you know, there was always this time we would go through these stages when we were in Bristol where we would like daydream about options of like, hey, if could I buy a place in Miami and be there? Like, could I get there Friday night in time and then fly out first thing Monday morning and make a time? Oh, interesting. Oh, like show? A, almost like yeah. a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah. Could I, could I do something? <laughs> so then you start looking at places and then. You know, Sarah Walsh, my neighbor, she'd be like, do it, do it, do it. Like, definitely well, you get do get, like, it.
0: amazing tax tax things out of that. It would just, all of those savings would then go to the, the flights.
1: Yeah, right. Then I'd be losing it. Because the, then the problem is, is the Hartford flight situation to anywhere wasn't ideal. And there was, like, this one direct on United. So you really
0: investigated this. this oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because then there was another time where I was like, well, maybe I'll get a place in the city because... You know what? What was going on with my personal life? Like at the time, I thought I was, you know, going to start the adult thing and buy a house and get married and start a family and all that. And then I didn't, and because I didn't, I just bought like a very, very modest condo in Connecticut. You know, because I was like, oh, I don't really need anything, and I'm not. I was gone a lot too, so I was like, you know what? You probably shouldn't get a standalone home. You should get something, even though, you know, all of us complain about HOAs and all that kind of stuff. So I was always. It'd probably be some weird Bristol stretcher. I'd be like, I gotta do something, man. I gotta get you. The next thing you know, you're on Zillow and you're looking at places in New York City, and Sarah Walsh and then another female reporter were like, We'll all go in on it together. And I'm oh, like, okay. I go, now I was like, now I'm out. Now I'm out. Because <laughs> what's gonna happen is like if it's just Sarah and I and we can we can we can change the hey, are you going this week? No, but I was like, if we have a third person in, I'm like, yeah. next thing I know, I'm going to show up and there's going to be all sorts of stuff and the way it's decorated. The it's like, sock like on the front
0: door, don't yeah. come Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, wait, and then I'm going to be judged. So then I would always have, I would always tell it would, it would get to some boiling point with me once a year or something where I start convincing myself of of buying a, an escape place. But the problem is, is when you're doing five days a week, you know, when you're doing radio, it's a completely different demand because then on top of it, I'm still watching games all the time. right? So what are you going to do? You're going to watch, are you still going to be able to watch all your games? And then you're like, okay, so I flew down to Florida so I can watch football for 20 hours in the weekend in the fall and Touch then go back to it. Connecticut.
0: You should have yeah. done the Steve Levy. Should lived in Boston. Just done that. But done I, already the, I already had, I already had in like, no, but Levy. done the hour and a half trip back. And but forth. see,
1: I did that for three years. I did that for the first three years because I was like, I'm never going to just move there until things are working out a little bit better for me. Um, but radio is tough. So many tough. speed traps. Right. Radio's tough, though, because radio, it's not, you know, even some of those other TV guys that are super established, sometimes they would have stretches where that are beyond three nights a week. You know, for me, I was nine to five in it, 15 hours on the air. So, yeah, it's and I'm not I mean, I'm a games guy, too. So what am I going to do? Fly to Miami and miss all the Friday night NBA games. And then what am I going to do? Go out like, I guess. And then it's like, all right, well, this is getting this. That would have gotten old quick. You know, it would have been cool for a little bit and then you'd be going, all right.
0: I think the Florida thing would be way better for the stories people would tell about you living in Florida <laughs> on <laughs> Bristol. Like, you know, you hear about Rosillo? I fucking bought a place in Miami. He just, he flies back and forth every week. What? Really? <laughs> what a maniac. <laughs> I think, I think you dine off that for years. It'd be a talking point to every single person you met in the campus.
1: Well... Yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know if work would care. They might. I think probably. I don't know. I mean, a lot of a lot of people that didn't have to live in Bristol, you know, probably would be like, look, I'm not going to get on his case about it as long as the guy's getting the job done. You know, I would never worry about that. But uh, it's, it wasn't convenient. It wasn't convenient because when you're off the air at four on a Friday and you're trying to get any kind of flight out your options yeah. later in Hartford. It just, it just was never, it never really ever made any sense. And honestly, it would just be a thing to distract myself, you know, from like whatever I was actually having to deal with. So
0: I got the, uh, second shot.
1: Oh, you did? How are you doing with it?
0: I'm doing great. Um, it's funny though. You, I'm still wearing the mask. I'm still obeying all the habits, but you do feel like a little bit of a serenity walking around where you, you don't realize it's in the back of your head, like that you can, you're worried about getting it and then you compartmentalize everything. And then, you don't. you're trying to think about it. But then after you get the shot, cause I noticed, we talked about this when I, when my mom got the shot and I noticed this like personality change with her, where she just seemed like a lot happier. And I, I didn't realize like it had been weighing on her. So then I got it. it was the same thing where it's just kind of, it's, it, it's, there's a weird piece to it. Because we, I wouldn't have gone on this. I wouldn't have flown to Florida on this trip if I hadn't gotten the shot. I just would have been too worried about the planes and stuff. Now, granted, the planes are supposedly safe, but um, yeah, there's a weird piece. You haven't gotten both shots yet, right?
1: No, I'm supposed to uh, get that started this week. Because I'm just, if I'm going to get sick or whatever, I've 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 had a couple buddies. I don't know if I would, um, because I. I guess I'm just saying, like, I want to be able to know that that week I can get all my work done in case I'm one of the guys that that gets sick for 48 hours after having it. Because mm-hmm. I've had enough I've had enough friends go like, yeah, I didn't feel great, man, for a couple of days. So just kind of bake that into your decision. So, you know, originally I, ne- I knew, you know, I'm not with anybody. I'm not going to work anywhere. I never felt like I was a priority, so I wasn't going to go. But now in California, you can kind of just tell like people are it's it's. I don't want to say it's a free for all, but they they want to get the shots out. Let's just put it that way. When I've heard some stories yeah. about how the guys have gotten their shots, you're like, man, no one even said anything to me. I just went in and they did it. And it's like, they, they just want to make sure they're using well, the much as they possible. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I was going to wait until I felt like it was like at that moment. And that moment is, is probably this week. So I'll probably, I'll probably get started tomorrow. It's great stuff. Things are looking up, man.
0: Basketball playoffs are coming basketball will be fun again to watch. I, I can't say I've had that much fun the last couple months with the season. It feels like a slog. Uh, it is, Curry, but you're right. Fun.
1: Like when you pointed out the playoff matchups and the storylines we're going like, to this is going to be fun.
0: Draft's going to be really fun. it will be fun because we have good draft. Good things ahead. All right, Rosillo, uh, you have two podcasts coming this week.
1: That's right. So, I have yeah. two
0: coming this week. And then uh, rewatchables is coming tomorrow.
1: So oh, nice. What'd that's my do?
0: schedule. Did Mrs. Doubtfire, actually. Really interesting movie. Incredibly successful. Do you know that movie made $441 million? Yeah.
1: You know what? You know what's in funny? In 1993? Like, it's like one of the biggest movies of the 90s. So Colin Cowherd says it's the greatest comedy of all time and five guys <laughs> immediately were like that's one of the worst opinions I've ever heard about movies <laughs> it's definitely
0: long there's some things that I have an age vote well, but uh, it's a good Williams. So Williams anyway, so we got that coming alright uh, that's it we will see you here on this feed on Tuesday check out Russo's Pod as well thanks up. thanks bud